Hello, and welcome to the Spirit World Center. I am once again joined by Alexandra Blair, who is going to do another astrological report for the podcast. And these have been absolutely fantastic. And uh, this is the third one that Alexandra has done for us. And I'm really looking forward to to what she's going to tell us. So Alexandra, welcome to the podcast. Hey there. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, and uh, it's an interesting day, uh, astrologically, at least on my end. Uh, Something that we talk to our uh, students a lot about is these golden and silver gate days that happen uh, once a month. And myself, I and and a lot of our students, they definitely tend to have um, migraines and headaches and other weird energetic stuff going on on silver gate days. And Today is a silver gate, and I am definitely feeling it right now. So I apologize in advance to everyone because I have definitely had a migraine the last while. And if I have any word salad or um, verbal dyslexia coming up, uh, that's what that is. So uh, I I don't think Blair is having the same problem, though, are you? No, I'm not having the same problem today, but I can most certainly empathize. I have those moments too. So I feel you and hopefully um, we can talk about the stars and you can just kind of be along for the ride too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alexandra will be the one who's saving this podcast because I might be useless. So let's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so let's dive in. So uh, your report uh, is starting at the new moon, right? Which was on uh, April 30th. Correct. Yeah, it was, it was uh, April 30th, kind of Uh, midday. And um, I guess I'll just say some things about this kind of month up front. Obviously, the new moon has already happened, but really it falls into one of the major themes of this month. Um, I would say there's like a twofold theme happening here. So the first thing we'll get into a little later is some, it's just like, boom, Aries energy, lots of Aries energy coming up this month, especially towards the end of this month. Um, So this is really going to feel like a month of acceleration and even aggressive drive. Um, We are going to be hit by a Mercury retrograde in the middle of the month, which is going to even add to that kind of roller coaster feeling where we're being kind of, we're feeling a lot of pressure to act and act quickly, but at the same time, feeling some hesitancy around action because we are feeling uncertainty about whether or not our actions were completed correctly or whether we're going about things correctly. And so there'll be some re-examining, but Aries is really this cardinal fire sign that is all about brilliant beginnings and openings. So Aries as a cardinal sign means that Aries is the initiator, right? And so this sign brings us that burst of fire. It doesn't always have staying power, but it brings that start burst of power that we need. And last month was defined by the start of the astrological new year, which is the sun's entree into Aries. Um, And this month, Aries, which is ruled by Mars, one of the malefic planets, um, has a lot of action. So this is going to feel straight up overwhelming and possibly quite aggressive to some people. Um, If you are a person who like does not feel sympathetic with Aries energy, this month is going to feel more like staying safe and weathering the storm to you. Um, But if you're an Aries, uh, if you have prominent Aries placements or you uh, work well with kind of like spice in your life, um, (laughs) this may be a good time to leverage this energetic and maybe even sometimes aggressive feeling energy 
especially in whichever area in your chart um, Aries governs. So you can look to your chart and see which house uh, is governed by Aries in your chart. But the other uh, sort of theme of this month, which we talk about with the new moon uh, and the partial lunar eclipse that occurred on April 30th, is a series of transformative eclipses that are going to be happening in Taurus and Scorpio over the next 18 months, basically beginning on April 30th. So eclipse cycles, they repeat every six months with the, with the sort of solar lunar and those signs happening at same degrees every six months. And they will occur in those same two signs for about 18 months. Um, giving us basically, you know, like nine years between each cycle. And so nine years ago, the, these eclipses occurred also in Taurus and Scorpio, but with the signs reversed. And then about 18, 19 years ago, they occurred in the same signs they are now. So it's kind of one of those things that we see in astrology, the cycles, life cycles, ways that astrology can speak to very natural patterns of um, eras of our life and eras of change you know you can imagine if they occur every nine ten years that feels like every decade you're rethinking things and you're having some transformations in your life um, and so again these are ways that like astrology can really map onto our real lives the patterns we see in our real lives um, and so this kicked off on the 30th of april with a partial lunar eclipse in taurus and um this is going to kind of be complemented by a lunar eclipse in Scorpio later this month. And these lunar eclipses uh, are really going to impact, um, they're really going to impact uh, people who have prominent Scorpio and Taurus placements much more than the other signs. Um, and so the, we typically think about the new moons as new beginnings and the full moons as letting goes. Some of what we see this month challenges that a little bit, but this was a powerful new beginning for this cycle of eclipses. Um, if you are a person with a Taurus rising or a Scorpio rising, this is going to be impacting your identity kind of direct, rather directly. Um, for everyone else who may have Scorpio or Taurus placements, you can look in your chart to see where this kind of powerful new beginning is going to be showing up. So even though the moon, the new moon happened a couple of days ago, it's definitely still going to feel relevant and it's going to feel relevant for the next 18 months. Um, many Taurus and Scorpio placements got a little taste of this in November when we had an eclipse in Taurus. Um, and so this is going to be kind of like a full-blown cycle. Anyone who has prominent cancer Capricorn placements um, for the past 18 months we, uh, of like the 2020, we went through it. And then it was like a Gemini Sagittarius 18-month cycle. And now it's your turn, Taurus and Scorpio. <laughs> Right, right. Well, uh, one thing I definitely comment on, uh, going back to the beginning of your presentation there, is that it definitely feels like this is the turning point where we're turning to action, right? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. as your reports in previous months were showing, you know, the uh, in April, it was about kind of still planning and, and you know, and, and being in that phase. Well, as now, it's especially in my life, it feels like so many things that were in the planning stage are now uh, coming to fruition and are starting to be acted upon. So I can definitely feel that. 
And one thing that I, I find is curious, um, this is an 18 or 19 year cycle where the, uh, where the eclipses happen again. Is that? It's like 18.6-ish. Okay. That's what, yeah. yeah. So I remember that a couple of years back where it was the same skies, the same um, uh, eclipse patterns as prior to 9-11, right? And so I remember mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of talking about similar trends going on. Do you see that? Uh, do you see that same type of, um, I guess, link between past and present that uh, this same eclipse pattern would be similar to, let's say, 2013? Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. I, I actually didn't think, you know, to quite brush up on kind of affairs at the time of 2013, but Oh, sorry, I, 2003. That's my, that's my migraine for you. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I went right along with it. So, so uh, beginning <laughs> of Iraq war and all that, so. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely. So when I was kind of doing research about this, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about themes that in hindsight, yeah, 20, 2003, it, for some reason is so much clearer in my mind. Um, but it, it's a lot of global proxy war uh, situations. Mm -hmm. And um, in particular, uh, you see a lot of this Scorpio energy that is about control. Um, and so especially yeah, if you're someone who has prominent Scorpio placements, those Scorpio areas of your life are areas where you typically exert control. We are seeing, you know, I don't do electional astrology, but I listen to a number of podcasts and people are talking about this because um, President, U.S. President Joe Biden is a Scorpio rising. And so people, you know, are talking about some important things. So last November, when I say that the cycle kicked off last November was a time when he was, you know, hospitalized. And so people are like, oh, what does this mean for this new cycle? Uh, if November is just a taste of what's to come for people, you know, people are, people get very into this and there is a lot that you can look into. Um, but I think that what is really interesting about this is think, considering the sort of dynamics of balance between these two, I call them like sister signs, but really they're opposing signs. So in this instance, it's Taurus and Scorpio, but everyone has, every sign has a sister sign. And it maps onto the houses as well. And so if you look at where your Taurus is, it's opposite the Scorpio. And so those two houses are opposite one another. And I see those eclipse cycles as really being a struggle for balance and a struggle against imbalance in those two areas of your life and the ways that they can intertwine. And that's actually really an interesting piece of math to do, right? Because we talk about Scorpio rising, for example that would be your first house spoiled with your seventh house. And so it's a search for balance between your own appearance and personality and identity and say your marriage or an intimate partnership or a mm. friendship or a business partner. And so you can imagine the ways that, that, that there's tension there or balance or imbalance and it plays out over 18 months of the eclipse cycle. Oh my. Yeah. That sounds like not a lot of fun and a lot of different house placements that you might have. Oh my. Right. My, yeah, I know mine is um, my sort of 10th and fourth. So mine is my home life, my roots, my security in contrast with my um, reputation and my social status. So I think that feels a lot like me. I mean, just knowing myself, like me wanting to stay home, <laughs> um, but also my friends being like, you're being a bad friend <laughs> and it's going to mm -hmm. look bad on you if you don't show up for me. So um, yeah, it's really interesting to look at. So I would encourage everyone to go to your chart, 
um, pull up the Hellenistic chart version. There's instructions on the blog post and you can look at where Taurus and Scorpio fall and kind of build yourself a narrative of how those two houses play into one another in terms of balance. And would you say that this, this cycle means that these things are going to come into balance or is it more, it's like, okay, look, you need to take note of these things because this is going to be where the issues in life in your life are and they might balance, they might not, but this is going to be where the, the conflict is happening. That's a good question. And I am always kind of, I, I flip-flop on this on a daily basis. Like is astrology divination or is it um, reflection? And I think for some, the answer is yes to that question. Um, and it can be both. And it is both for some of us. Um, obviously, if you're actively working against this process, I think it would probably be possible for you to emerge feeling quite imbalanced or feeling like you've learned nothing. Um, I know that for the first, you know, few months of this cycle that I endured in 2020, I was in absolute and complete denial <laughs> and was not ready to be balanced or make those changes. Eventually kind of came around. It was very hard. I ended up, you know, again, when you're, when it's with your rising sign, it's a situation where it's your identity and your partner. I ended up reinventing my identity and ditching my partner. So, um, you know, I think if you can come around you actually can use it in a divination way to leverage that energy, to know that it's coming and to do your best to kind of ride the waves of that energy. It doesn't mean I'm not telling you exactly to break up with your partner, but <laughs> maybe, you know, looking for ways to balance those relationships and kind of um, get some equilibrium between your, yourself and the other. Right, right. So people check out your natal chart, see where your houses lie, and you can see where some interesting turmoil might crop up. Yes. Fantastic. So, so where do we go from there? Great. Yeah. So on May 2nd, uh, Venus entered Aries. So for all of April, Venus had been feeling pretty much all of April. Uh, Venus had been feeling really comfortable and kind of dreamy and romantic. This is a placement that people really like. It can feel very lofty and dreamy. We all had a lot of dreams, as I have mentioned before. That word keeps coming up, but it's just the perfect word for Venus in Pisces. Um, but it has transitioned into Aries. And so this transit, I mean, it's probably been feeling pretty jarring for some people, especially water signs, but probably also, also kind of earth signs. Um, March and April were really dominated by strong Pisces energy. Um, which is, can be emotional and it's a water sign. So it can feel very, um, you know, like being pitched about in an ocean. Uh, but uh, May's themes are Aries themes. And it is, this is like a roller coaster of fast motion um, throughout the month. So planets are moving into Aries, the fire starter. And it starts with Venus. And then by the end of the month, we have a full-blown stellium in Aries. And so this month is going to be like slowly picking up speed week by week. Um, and then by the end of the month, it is going to, we are going to all be in, in a very aggressive action oriented space. <laughs> um, but this first early May Venus transit is really like an aesthetic shift. So if you look to the area of your life ruled by Aries, you can see this, but basically we are moving away from this sort of daydreamy, big picture, illusory Piscean energy into this action-oriented, passionate, getting, I want to start things sign of Aries. And it's, um, you know, awesome that that happened just two days after the new moon, because it really is 
signaling this action, a new beginning, something that's brasher and louder and a little bit rough around the edges and really like powerful to be quite honest. And sorry, that happened on May 2nd when Mm -hmm. Venus entered Aries? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Definitely felt that here. Yeah. May 2nd uh, for Laova and I, it was the beginning of a new cycle, new thing, no going back to the old ways, no going back to the the pre-taking action on this. So that, yeah, I can feel it. Okay. That's that's amazing. (laughs) Definitely. It is really interesting. And um, as part of why I love this science, like the more I learn about it, the more I just see and also kind of the less I want to see like I the more I learn about it the more I like looking at the past to be honest (laughs) but doing these monthly um check-ins have been really good and I I will sometimes text friends whose birth charts I have saved and I'm like things get spicy for you this month don't ask questions (laughs) and do this do the sneaky astrology thing or like be careful at work like I don't know I'm scared here's a little heads up mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my yeah um so that yeah that's that's quite the the shift then that venus entering aries um and we're only on the second of the month yes so things pick up quickly a little bit after that but um basically we have on may 10th mercury stations retrograde in uh gemini or between the 10th and the 11th depending on where you live um mercury goes retrograde in gemini jupiter enters aries with venus um and so this is like a very strange combo of the energies and things here right because venus is the planet of romance and like kind of feminine energy and cute things happening in your life jupiter is a planet of um cosmic blessing and lessons and learning and mentorship kind of astrological mentorship you know and um mars is that very action-oriented kind of aggressive planet and so it's kind of a very strange mix of energies now when you add on top of that that mercury is going retrograde in gemini um that is basically like a lot of stop stop go stop stop go energy it really says like i'm gonna try it says like some, I heard another astrologer say this and I think it's so perfect, like third time's the charm because it just really feels like you're going to be trying things and then being like, wait, did I, uh, let me try again multiple times for a couple weeks here. And so do you find that the sign that Mercury is going retrograde within um, modifies what type of Mercury retrograde that's going to be? Yes, Definitely Mercury retrograde impacts. I mean, I think people, it's very like, it's become a meme. It's very funny to make Mercury retrograde jokes. I'm guilty, but it is not like a big bad, right? Mercury and retrograde really just means it's it's a constellation of rethinking, re-examining, reflecting. It's a lot of this questioning energy. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be bad. With that being said, some people definitely feel it more intensely than others. In particular, those with strong Gemini or Virgo placements that are ruled by Mercury uh, definitely feel that a lot uh, more keenly every time it happens. Um, and if it if it's going to go retrograde in Gemini, that looks a lot more like specific rethinking, reexamining, uh, reflecting, communication, and trouble with communication 
and also technology. So this is kind of one of those very classic meme style Mercury retrogrades where there's going to be, we can all expect a little trouble communicating and technical difficulties here and there for the last couple of weeks of May. Great. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I never paid attention much to Mercury retrograde, but uh, I finally did when I woke up to a Mercury retrograde one morning and like my computer was, just, my computer was fried, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then like the number of um, like teleconferencing glitches I've had on, on Mercury retrograde. It's ridiculous. Days. It's quite the thing. It's quite the thing. I have but. strong Gemini placements. My son and my Mercury are both in Gemini. I have really bad retrogrades and I just like have internalized this as a part of a, a ditzy persona that comes on every few weeks when Mercury goes retrograde. And um, I mine, my spirituality and like my deity contact and my astrology both serve, like I get a lot of music glitches. It's so weird. It's always oh. the Bluetooth music connectivity. My music will like pause. And then the moment I walk over to my phone, it starts playing at a certain point in the song that has a certain message that I'm like, I'm ignoring that message right now. You know this. <laughs> so that's how it always presents for me oh my yeah it's it's curious I mean it's one of those things where obviously it's easy to kind of fly off the handle and be terrified of mercury retrograde right but it's Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's almost like part of reality like those energies it's like almost like they have a cold you know and they're receded totally. a bit and you know they're going to come back but it's not like they're completely oh, yeah, like, gone this is right? energy that we are very used to as human beings because it happens so frequently there are certain retrogrades that really happen only once a year or even rarer than that and those are energies that we're not necessarily you know always familiar with um but these are ones that we we can actually kind of kind of get used to I also think it's interesting you talk about this kind of toothlessness. I feel that same way. I'm not scared of Mercury retrograde, probably just because I <laughs> I like really get get the worst of it every time. But um, now it's just funny. But I wanted to make a note because we're going to be talking more about the sort of Aries movements in this moment here. Um, I think one really interesting thing between a more modern astrology and the traditional astrology and Eastern astrology. So traditional and Eastern are aligned on this and modern astrology kind of isn't. And I heard someone talking about this the other day. I forget who it was, or I would shamelessly plug them on TikTok, but she was basically saying, you know, modern astrology has worked really hard to internalize astrology and make astrology feel like a personality test Mm -hmm. and traditional astrology resists that and that is why I believe personally like in the past especially three decades we've seen so many people return to traditional astrology because um, in the modern version we don't even think about things like quote-unquote malefics which are negative effects it all because to do that kind of accepts the fact that there are negative brains or people in the modern lexicon of astrology which is much more akin to a personality test. Whereas, you know, a traditional astrologer, and I think most people, you know, kind of natively know that there are sometimes bad things going on in our lives and in the world and bad vibes happening in the stars. Um, And so a lot of the energy we have this month in Aries, Aries is ruled by Mars and Mars is one of two malefic planets, which are actually sort of bad acting planets. Now that doesn't mean that the energy is evil, 
And it definitely doesn't mean everyone who has, you know, an Aries sun or an Aries rising is evil. It just means that that energy can be negative in a, in a way it's uniquely suited towards negativity uh, in the same way that like Venus, which is one of the benefics or Jupiter are uniquely suited towards good luck energy or romantic energy. I suppose the other malefic would be Saturn, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's that my chart ruler, right. yeah, correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So you're, you're on and, the evil and side. And Lauva's. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I can, I can <laughs> yes, I can yeah. agree with that then. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. So uh, just to return then to um, what's happening in Aries. So we have Jupiter and Venus. Um, both both in in Aries yeah and Jupiter will be in Aries on and off for about a year so that's going to be yeah Mars and Jupiter is big risk taker energy um and but it's so it's interesting because Mars is a malefic Jupiter is a benefic uh and so I think that to me this is one of those that can really be open to interpretation for people Mm. Um, I tend to believe, and probably just because again, my chart ruler is a malefic. And so I've developed this very optimistic view on life because of that. Right. But I do tend to think that, you know, if you know that energy is coming and you can work with it and roll with the punches, a lot can be made out of that. However, if Mars energy, Aries energy is really not good for you, definitely know that and be aware of that up front. But Mm -hmm. Mars with Jupiter together to me really feels like starting something new and having it work out for you um or being the first to do something it has a really to me a more positive connotation um again of course depending on where it falls in your chart and how you feel it's very open when it comes to possibilities right i mean you're talking Mm -hmm. about something where it's like you have mars so i mean you have that that vibrant action as well right that drive and and jupiter which is this you know this benevolent benevolent and and expansive force right so absolutely and it can go both ways (laughs) interesting to see how this plays out because so many people have spent the past especially two months um dreaming big right and like just dreaming these unrealistic dreams and this jolt of energy is really gonna feel like well now i'm just gonna go for it um i think that a lot of people are gonna feel the risk-taking a pressure to take the risk, um, that, uh, that sort of like abundance from Jupiter around taking action. I think it's going to feel very disorienting for some people because it does happen so close to the retrograde. So it might be, that's why I'm saying third time's the charm energy, because I think people, this is exactly the narrative. It's like, well, I've been dreaming big. I'm just going to go for it. You take one step and you're like, did I take the right first step? And it's going to feel like that for a couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, if you're particularly sensitive to Mercury retrograde, um, maybe wait until the retrograde uh, kind of moves out of Gemini <laughs> or um, wraps up. It, but also, you know, go for it. I think this is a time of blessed action. And I think it could be really exciting. I think people are going to uh, be going for it. And I love that energy, but I am a astro enabler. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. One tip I would give people who are going to be setting out on some new plans and taking action, but are worried about that mercury retrograde is if you are working within shamanism or working within any form of paganism uh, or any other kind of magical practice, 
uh, find a spirit or a deity that resonates with that Mercury energy, whether it's Mercury or Hermes or Odin, um, and make friends with it and give lots of offerings. You can kind of be its life support system as it's going through this. You can <laughs> you can build up energy for it so that if it's not getting it from this other source, it, it can be strong. At least that's something that uh, um, has been effective in my own personal practice. So that's just something for people to consider that you can kind of put those mercury energies on life support if you are doing offerings and other magical activities. That's amazing advice. I would actually also say, you know, for uh, people working within shamanism, if you're feeling uncertain about your action or you're second guessing yourself, that's a great time to consult a spirit guide as well. And, um, you know, see, see what their opinion is on what, what it is that you're doing to sort of counteract that inherent mercury retrograde, like doubt feeling that you might have immediately upon taking action. Absolutely. That is a excellent point for sure. So, uh, so where do we go from there after, uh, after Jupiter and um, Venus getting together in, uh, in Aries? Yes. So there is a full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio on May 16th, which is, looks dramatic. I don't want to scare anyone. This month is a lot, um, but it definitely looks pretty dramatic. So this okay i'm feels... looking off may 16th now okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah like definitely go to your chart look to the house where where scorpio rules um you know again it's often so typically these scorpio areas are areas where we behave like scorpios we try to exert control we're not necessarily kind of easygoing or about it um for me you know i'll use my chart as an example again um that's in my social life and my reputation. I am very much like that. I have, you know, in my life struggle with social anxiety and I'm very concerned about my reputation. So that's an area where I try to exert a lot of control. This May 16th full lunar eclipse in Scorpio really looks like a sacrifice with all of the Aries energy sacrifice at, at minimum loss, definitely letting mm -hmm. something go, something you were trying, maybe something you were trying really hard to control. Um, it, it could go a couple ways here because the South node is in Scorpio right there. So it could look like letting go of something you were trying so hard to control in service of the Taurus North node, which is something you just really want. Um, and so it could look like that. However, it also definitely looks because it is square with Saturn. So in a bad, in a bad sort of positioning with Saturn, that's not a great aspect. Saturn looks like something saying no or some door closing. Um, and so it, it feels really like kind of a sacrifice or a loss. And so I think people can really leverage this if you are practicing magic or witchcraft or shamanism, using this as a time for a very powerful letting go. I've talked about on here before, and I usually talk about, I use full moons kind of as power grabs. This one looks like a very traditional argument for the side of the full moon debate that says full moons are about letting go. Um, and so using the night of the full moon or the night just after the full moon, which will be the lunar eclipse and the night after the lunar eclipse um, and serve, serving like that waning moon to let something go could be really powerful. Um, and with this eclipse cycle, eclipses really are like, you know, like I said before, 
this search for balance. So in one area of your life, you're going to be kind of doubling down and seeing lots of activity. And in one area, you might be seeing none, like a purge in one part. Um, it, the process feels and seems so overwhelming in the moment. These are such huge things that are happening. And so you might have some very explosive kind of sacrifice or loss. Um, however, it, in hindsight, you know, we always look back on this and it's going to feel so small, but it may feel kind of big. So solar eclipses uh, and lunar eclipses, lunar eclipses are like these faded endings, breakdowns, breakthroughs, uh, all that kinds of stuff. So this is going to be kind of a dramatic lunation on May 16th, quite frankly. <laughs> and from a practical standpoint, then you would then go to your natal chart to see what part yeah. of your life you might be suffering a loss in, right? Would that yeah. be where the moon was when you were born or would it be where Scorpio was when you were born? Yes. Like what house? Good question. So definitely you're going to want to look to where Scorpio, what Scorpio governs in your birth chart. Um, there are other things that you can do when you get into more advanced astrology. You could do a composite chart, for example, and you could look at the difference in degrees or the aspects between the moon today and the moon when you were born. Um, and that's something that actually you can kind of find pretty easily online. That is like, you know, a synastry chart or a partner compatibility chart. And you just enter in the time of the, the new moon or the full moon uh, for your partner and then you, and you can look at it and you can kind of, if you're into Googling, you can look up what the different aspects mean. And um, I think that's something we could definitely get into on a, on a special episode of the astrology show, but maybe not in the monthly recap. Um, but definitely, uh, I think like your moon is not unrelated to what's happening here, um, but it is not the direct focus of, of this lunation. Interesting. Right. It can give you a bit more additional information, but it may, might not be the main event. Yeah. yeah. What you're really going to be looking for is that Scorpio Taurus duality. So look to where Scorpio is in your chart. That's where you're going to be feeling this loss. Um, or a sacrifice of some kind, especially, especially people who have those Aries placements. This also could be like you taking action to get rid of something from your life. And if you, you know, plan ahead, you can actually leverage this energy to do that regardless, but look to where Scorpio is, then look across the way to where Taurus is. And that's the kind of core tension for this eclipse cycle between those two areas and aspects of your life. Interesting. Very, mm -hmm. very interesting. It's going to be, well, it's going to be curious to see how that plays out for sure. Yes, I know. Um, and so on May 17th, which is the next day, basically, mm -hmm. again, depending on where you live, but we have a Mars-Neptune conjunction. And so Mars, you know, is that planet of like direct action and sex drive and aggression and drive. And Neptune is really a planet of illusion. And so this looks again, like, this confusion around your actions or mistakes, um, a kind of a duality between the aggression and the deception piece. Um, and it also kind of looks like, um, like, like, like kind of losing the plot. Like I could see this working out um, for many people throughout the month we have, right? Like things move into Mars and you're like, great, I'm taking action. Then we have the retrograde. It's like, wait, am I taking the right action? We have this explosive full moon eclipse, which is like, I'm letting go of this thing. And then the next day we're hit with the Mars Neptune, which is like, did I do the right thing? 
It also kind of looks like martyrdom for some people who are prone to that kind of attitude. It could feel like, um, you know, drama, theatrics, and a, and a sort of like an illusory narrative around the sacrifice you made or the letting go. It could almost be uh, getting lost in your own head as well, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's that action, but then applied to your own subconscious mind and mind. Quite right? exactly that. Like, I think of this little piece of the month as like losing the losing losing what's happening um and later in the month mars enters aries and we're gonna feel again like an aha moment maybe even something that's like very kind of stunningly uh active on may 24th when mars enters aries and there's like a stellium in aries but this mid-month is gonna be a weird jerky roller coaster of action aggression questioning kind of repeated a couple times oh man okay that's gonna be fun <laughs> uh, yeah but i mean you know it's uh, <laughs> there's always got to be a drawback right if you're yes. doing all that action you know it'd just be too easy if it just went it all would smoothly. be so, too easy yes some self-questioning and all that it's, it's always good you know it yeah you. <laughs> and you know we have some like ways that are we're counteracting the forces of Mercury retrograde um, on May 20th, obviously the sun moves into Gemini, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting for me as a Gemini and also kind of exciting for everyone because the sun <laughs> really is going to offset a little bit of the pain of the Mercury retrograde. The sun actually conjoins Mercury at one point. So mm-hmm. I think I think that that will take a little pressure off the retrograde there um, and kind of light that up. <laughs> Um, and then on May 22nd, the Mercury retrograde moves from Gemini into Taurus and Taurus really is a sign that is about what's happening here on earth, materiality, like definitely some sensuality in there and some romance, um, and what's happening here on earth. So that will take a little bit of the pressure off the Mercury retrograde in Gemini. That's a lot of pressure moves away. I mean, for me as a, as a person who uh, spent a lot of time in my thoughts, that feels like more pressure than rethinking, you know, my, my material pleasures. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting change in emphasis where it's turning from kind of a mental aspect to definitely more focused on the physical world, you would say, right? Yes. And mm. that happens just two days prior to May 24th, which is kind of like a interesting little end note to this month really um mars on may 24th enters aries so that break basically brings us into a stellium with mars jupiter venus and the moon all in aries um which again yeah that's a lot that is a lot i'll say that again mars jupiter venus and the moon all in aries on May 24th. Is there um, any actual conjunctions going on or are they just kind of close near to each other? Like, are there any conjunctions where it's more than two planets, like three or four or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, great, great question. No, there are no like, uh, not in this month, any kind of like exact conjunctions. They are like conjoined, but not, Mm. they are not exact. They're definitely Um, hanging out, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. For sure. They're very close though. Um, in particular, yeah, they're very close. It's going to be kind of a, a whole, a whole thing. <laughs> so, so what do you make of that? Like what, what does that mean? 
Um, yeah, so basically this to me really looks like, I'm trying to pull up this exact chart if I have it. Um, yeah, I do. So yeah, it looks like they're not exactly conjunct in this month. They might be next month. I haven't checked yet. But basically this is like a heightening, this is like a fever pitch, I would say, of this uh, action and aggressive energy. So for some people, I think this might actually look like something like uh, aggressive, like, a, like an actual aggressive action. Um, the interesting thing about this is that Mars is a malefic, Jupiter is a benefic, Venus is a benefic. The combined, they're sort of weaker because Mars is an Aries and therefore in its domicile. And those two are out of their comfort zone. So like, is are those two weak planets going to overcome that one strong planet? I don't know. For the moon to be there adds a lot of emotion into the mix. And so I think this is really going to depend on the native. So whether or not you have an affinity or a familiarity even, or a tolerance, let's say, for Aries energies, right? Like I would not be so scared personally as a Saturn ruled native to find that there's like some epic Saturns where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My whole life has been this. Like, I'm not scared of this, you know? Right. Um, but if you are a person who is dominated by water and earth energy and you have nothing to do with Mars and Aries energy, this might feel very explosive to you. So I think this to be constructive though, like for some people, this is just going to be, there's, there's a lot of good things about Aries is that we love, right? Like Aries is our blunt people. They're very courageous and brave mm-hmm. and um, even honest. Uh, so I think this, this can be something really exciting and it's very much going to depend on the native. So what I would recommend to anyone listening, pull up your natal chart, look to where Aries is in your life um, to know where this energy is coming, right? You're going to, there's going to be a stellium there. You're going to have a lot of energy in that area of your life. On top of that, um, look at the rest of your planets. Like, do you have planets in Aries? Do you have planets in fire signs? Maybe if you also are familiar with some of the other, um, you know, malefic energies, uh, or if you have a really strong, like Jupiter, if Jupiter is your chart ruler or Venus is your chart ruler, that could play out in interesting ways too. I actually don't know if that would be good or bad if your chart ruler is out of their element in this weird stellium. Um, Mm. I think it's going to be so dependent on the chart and the person. Yeah, it seems like a real cacophony of energies, like just going all over the place. Doesn't it? <laughs> right, you have two weak planets and one strong, like do the two weak planets uh, overpower the one malefic? Like, <laughs> you know, there's so many different questions. And of it course is. that depends on the the natal chart that you have and all this. So uh, it just, it sounds like a very chaotic period then in terms of, not chaotic in terms of anyone any particular chart, but in terms of all the different ways it might be affecting everyone's chart differently. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Sometimes you can really see like, you know, we last month it felt like, wow, everyone kind of was on the same page. Um, And I think if we map this onto kind of the world we're looking at right now, again, I don't usually do this, but it seems very obvious that like, especially in the United States where I am, you know, people are, they spent a few months kind of indulging the last of certain restrictions and kind of dreaming about all the things they were going to do once there really were no restrictions. And now even the most 
stringent states and cities are lifting those restrictions. And Mm -hmm. to me, this looks kind of just like people going a little crazy um, with some new freedom. Uh, It's festival season, right? (laughs) Right, right. It's just like, wow, I don't have to wear a mask or show a vaccine card to get into a restaurant anymore in like New York or San Francisco. Um, I'm going to uh, do everything and then maybe kind of going out, having a crazy night, waking up the next morning, being like, can I really be doing this? Should I really be doing this? Going out the next day, doing another crazy thing. Oh my gosh, am I giving people COVID? You know, like it's really feels like that stop and start of the world opening back up after people have had a period of dreaming big about what they were going to do when they had freedom again. Right, right. And realizing it's been two and a half years since the last time you did binge drinking and waking up and realizing, wow, I got yeah. old the last two and a half years. Oh man, not or even something the like drinking, that. But like for me, it's been wild to just be around so many people again. I'm definitely very much kind of an uh, introverted person. I'm, but I am an extroverted introvert. So it does feed me, but I am very out of practice after two years. Um, and so going to big concerts, festivals, or, you know, I went to a rock climbing clinic last, a couple of weeks ago and um, we all pull up and I just kind of sat in my car, like, oh no, I have to remember how to spin up a personality um, to be, to make friends again. Like I haven't done that. <laughs> it, it is an odd shift in the energies. You know, you really can't yeah. feel it, you know, up here in Canada, you know, um, no one's wearing masks anymore. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's this thing where it's like just getting used to even smiling again. It's actually a big change. Yeah, it's it's quite a change. Yeah. And uh, I, I can imagine that leading to a lot of chaotic, but also active energy as we enter, you know, get closer to the summer, right? It's uh, people are getting out. They want to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that it makes sense. I mean, if we look at the at the world uh, to just, you know, see that there are quite a bit of little stop and go moments that are going to be happening this month of people like being ready to do the thing they've been wanting to do and then immediately rethinking and wondering if they're doing the right thing. (laughs) Right. We're all going to be feeling it. We're all going to be feeling it. Interesting. Interesting. So, so after that chaotic um, bit of action with possible regret and figuring out life in this new age. Uh, Where do we go from there? Yeah. So we have towards the end of the month, a couple little uh, moves happening here. Um, We will definitely have a new moon at the end of the month, which I think we're going to kind of get into next time, um, which is correlated a little bit it comes right after we have like a mars jupiter conjunction which on the 29th uh which is kind of again uh you know we had talked about it a little bit earlier because these two planets are kind of going to be influencing each other deeply this month jupiter is this benefic planet of um it's like expansion and cosmic favor. And in some ways it feels like a teacher or a mentor and like learning things and blessings and Mars, which again is considered traditionally a malefic that is about aggressive drive and action and energy. And they go conjunct again at the end of this month. So I, I think again, this really goes two ways exactly. And it's either like good luck in aggression or like aggressive bad luck. <laughs> And that kind of is how this whole month, maybe that's the tagline for this month. (laughs) 
this is a very Marsy <laughs> month, isn't it? It's like, yes. <laughs> hello, Mars. Hello, and it's so interesting because the eclipse energy. cycle really should be the headline, should be the eclipse cycle because it's so powerful when these eclipse cycles start and it really impacts people very deeply. We are so um, sort of susceptible and vulnerable to the moon in particular and eclipses uh, as human beings on this planet. But um, really Mars is stealing the show this month and that boom, boom, pow, Mar Mars energy is just gonna, gonna lay some people out, I think. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. And, uh, does that pretty much, uh, wrap up the month? That's pretty much it. At towards the end of the month, we also have, uh, we have that Mars Jupiter conjunct conjunction. We also have Venus entering Taurus. So that's going to take some pressure off with Venus out of, uh, Aries going to feel really good to have venus back in taurus venus likes taurus um that's going to feel put things a little more at ease i think right right um and just to clarify now venus was yep. in gemini last month right um venus has been kind of in pisces for pisces, sorry, yes. yeah 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 okay so uh, yeah so pisces aries now it's in uh, taurus right exactly so pisces is a water sign so that was like dreamy romantic thoughts ideas big dreams um with it in mars that's gonna feel like that's going to feel weird for some people. We talked about this ad nauseum. I won't go back over it again, <laughs> but definitely with it in Taurus. Taurus is a very grounded sign. It is a very sensual sign. It well, feels Venus, with... Venus rules Taurus, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so it's, it's going natural to be... for it. To... Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be like a very secure, stable, comfortable, physically sensual and kind of like relaxed place for, for Venus to be. Hmm. So it might be a situation you've done all this action all throughout the month of May, and now you're kind of maybe enjoying and reaping some benefits. Yes, maybe, maybe by the end of the month. I do feel like Mars and Jupiter conjunct, and then kind of like the day prior is when Venus goes into Taurus. So Mars and Jupiter conjunct, Venus and Taurus actually feels like, okay, am I seeing... Am I seeing some? Am I seeing some benefits here for my actions? You know, there might be that at the end of the of the month. And I believe Mercury retrograde is done on June second, so it's going to be like a one, two, three of like, ooh, Venus and Taurus, ooh, Mars and Jupiter conjunct, and then oh my gosh, thank God, Mercury in retrograde is over. You know, it's so interesting. Um, this is the third report that we've done. And, you know, it's one of those things where I don't usually follow the astrology that closely because I, uh, like I, you know, look at it occasionally, understand some of the big stuff that's coming, but uh, I don't usually follow it because I just figure, okay, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. But right. it's so curious following it now and watching this narrative unfold. It really feels like a narrative unfolding. Um, where you had this kind of planning energy uh, two months ago, then you had this kind of dreamy energy. Now you have yeah. this active energy. And finally, you know, these perhaps next month, it's going to be more of this results energy. You know, this, you have this narrative unfolding, which is just really fascinating to watch. It is so fascinating. I agree. I mean, I definitely would do astrology work every day, but had not been building it out like quite like this. Um, and you can really see things 
play out and see how it maps onto the human experience. And uh, it's been really fascinating. I think another really fascinating part for anyone who's been listening along is when you start to develop your own lexicon of keywords and metaphors and analogies, you know, because imagine this time next year when I tell you, oh, uh, Venus is moving back into Aries and there's a stellium and Jupiter is in there. Now you're going to be like, oh, I remember last year I got so mad at something. I did this, but I got my way out of it. So I think this is going to be good for me too. You know, you get to build your own little lexicon of experiences and metaphors. Um, and I think that's a really cool part of it. And I definitely encourage anyone to trust themselves if you're listening and, you know, you, you remember these transits and you're going through and you see them for other people, trust yourselves and your experiences, because that's how you build your own kind of um, understanding of the concepts and, and go with it. Absolutely. Right. That's the path to true understanding too. have some faith in yourself that you can figure this stuff out, that you can see the connections on your own, right? Obviously, it's good to have a mentor, someone that you're listening to to learn from. But eventually, you know, you got to take that step and say, okay, oh, I'm seeing patterns here. Maybe this is how this is connecting in my life, right? And then you can, you can go from there. Yeah, 100%. And it really helps. You know, I know you encourage your, your students to keep a confirmation and synchronicity journal do the same with astrology. Like, you know, if you heard me say, I'm not sure how this is going to work out with, so say like the benefic malefic vibes this month, keep a diary and write out how that works out for you. And then next time, you know, that's coming up, you kind of have some idea and you start to build a repertoire of experiences too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Blair, any, anything else to add for this month? Uh, I think that kind of wraps it up. I think uh, I'll say again, this month more than others, because there's so many kind of question mark things. You know, if you've been listening in the past months, it's easier to build those narratives. On a month like this, there's a lot of like chaotic energy floating around. Definitely write those things down um, and or, you know, write an email. I'd be happy to know how someone experienced that Um Mars Jupiter conjunction because I'm definitely going to be looking and taking notes about how it impacts me too so I can I can get better but I think this uh, this month really is about um, committing to either taking action or waiting but don't do both <laughs> don't do both yay though you might be compelled if you're going to take action commit to it go for it channel that Aries bravery and courage um, if you were going to wait, good for you, weather the storm, wait it out. Um, but I think for those who among us who are brave, this can be a really good initiatory time to like put into action those dreams and try really hard not to second guess yourself and go for it. Absolutely fantastic. I think that's, uh, it's going to be a, a very interesting month for everyone and it's it's going to be curious what strategy people use to navigate <laughs> these waters i can't wait to see how my friends and family i mean i always use the meds make guinea pigs so i can't wait to see how how they fare <laughs> <laughs> of course i don't know if they mind but <laughs> you might have fun <laughs> yeah i just kind of have a phone folder full of um birth charts that i just flick through and when i read these things you know Every time I read Taurus, something I'm like, oh, I know somebody who has like seven Taurus planets. And then somehow sneakily, I know like that person's going through it this month, you know? So it's kind of a fun little secret folder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least you're having fun with it. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Well, we will have your write-up, uh, the um, the full report, the written report, up mm -hmm. on the website at thespiritworldcenter.com. People can access that by clicking on the menu and just uh, go to the astrological report. And um, Alexandra, are there any sage words that you'd like to leave us with this week? I think we're good. Good luck, everybody. I can't wait to uh, hear how it goes. And we'll see you back next month for the next weather report. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Alexandra, for an absolutely fantastic report. And I look forward to next month's. Great. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.